This is not a new message. This is not a uh, new vision share, but it is reminding us where we're headed, where we're going, and things are moving toward that end, and so I'm very, very excited about that. In 2004, the Lord spoke to my wife and I about planting a church right here in this community. In an unusual way, I would say God made it absolutely clear. You know, the irony of how he spoke this message, we had been involved in missions across, really across the world, taking young people on foreign mission trips. And on foreign soil, we thought we were training indigenous people to be the church by planting churches amidst their people and raising up leadership from within a local fellowship and helping them plant churches. And so for seven years, we thought, oh, well, we must be the experts or something, and we're going and we're helping these folks. Well, the truth is, all the while, we really didn't know what we were doing, except we had faith. God is helping us. And we saw some churches get planted and indigenous people rising up, some even moving forward into full-time vocational ministry, becoming pastors and loving on that indigenous community. So all the while we thought, man, we're just, you know, it's good. Who knew that what God was preparing us for is, you really don't know, Dave, what you're doing. I'm running you through a little bit of schooling here, and I'm using these fine folks, these marvelous people that you think you're coaching they're actually teaching you. Now I want you to go and be the indigenous church in your community. Amen. And so in 2004, uh, June of 2004, we launched Hillside Christian Fellowship. We had no idea what we were doing. Our first four Sundays, we didn't even have church. We just went out into the community, and Charlie and Linda Schaefer were a part of that, and we launched out. And it was, it was that first Sunday that Charlie and Linda went out. They went and visited a church. We went and visited a church in our community. And what we were doing is we were trying to find out what is it exactly that God is doing in our community, and what is it exactly that God wants us to do in this community. And we thought, well, we should actually ascertain how many seats are in the community in church, then take the mass populace and decide, do we need another church in our community? And guess what, gang? The answer is yes. We actually could probably stand to have a church on every corner. Can I get an amen? Yeah, yeah come on. There's a lot of folks who need Jesus. And so when they went out, Charlie and Linda went to one of our local churches here, and it was there that it was Pastor Dennis and Jill's last Sunday serving in their church. And they were like, Linda and Charlie met them at the door and said, hey, can I give your name and number to uh, Pastor Dave? And Dennis was like, sure. They didn't know what they were signing up for. We had lunch and God's direction in a, in, in a matter of, a, sh a few short weeks, uh, Dennis and Jill gave us a call. Well, I called them on a Sunday morning. Or no, it was, it was a Saturday night, and I said, we need you. Can you guys help us lead worship, our worship guys? Brian and Teresa were in Hawaii. <laughs> and I was like, ah. And so I called on a Saturday. Oh, could you guys come? And they said, hey. Dennis said, hey, our family has been praying, and we're supposed to be with you guys and help plant and launch this great fellowship in our community, and so I fell prostrate on the ground. Like, oh, God, thank you. Oh, Dennis is still on the phone. Hey, Dennis. <laughs> so it was just a great beginning, and many of you were there in those early days. I remember setting up the church in this room right here. By the way, we have actually faced every direction in this room. So in this room, we faced that wall. Of course, we're facing this wall. We have faced that wall. We've faced the back wall. We've even faced this corner over here. So we've made a complete helicopter rotation, and it's been a ton of fun. But some of you were there in those early days where we actually used these curtains on the sidewalls to create a room inside of a room because there was, you know, as many as 35 to 50 people showing up. And we were like, I remember Pastor Dennis used to count, and he would come up to Kim after the service and say, Kim, there was 46 people in service this morning. And we just, ah, yes, hallelujah. And so, great beginnings and here we are some 13 years later. And here's the beauty. 13 years later, our purpose for existing as a fellowship has not changed. In fact, 
I was praying, Lord, why, why would you have us plant? What's our purpose? And I was trying to be creative. I was trying to be everything we do as a fellowship. And so I'm thrilled that 13 years ago and this morning, with absolute flint in our eyes, we would say, we exist to see people become fully devoted followers of Christ. Can I get an amen? amen. Can I get a bigger amen? amen? Come on. Praise God. Now, we have a vision, and I, I, have, I have with me uh, two, two documents. Early on, I, I want to read, this is 2004, and this is what we said. We, we listed our core values. These were our core values. Evangelism, discipleship, community, ministry, and worship. Those are our, our core values today. Faith, worship, teaching, family, community, fellowship, and missions. That is these core values. This is what we are about, and they're right in line with what we originally were. We've just added basically two. Here was our vision statement. Our vision is to reach people through personal relationships. That makes every one of us evangelists. Can I get another amen? amen? It's about you and I communicating. We are the salt of the earth. Listen, Jesus said it this way. If the salt loses its savor, it's what? Good for nothing but to be trampled underfoot by men. Anybody here ever want to get walked on? No, the call is for us to be savory salt. Listen, if you've had a meal where you've taken that salt shaker and put it on your food, and you know when that salt is salty, you're like, wow, that just made my steak taste a little bit better. But then you've also taken salt and shaken it, and you take another bite, and you're like, and it's just not very savoring. We want to be salty salt. We're called to be bright lights for Jesus. No one lights a lamp and puts it what? Under a bowl, hide it under a bushel. I'm going to let it shine. Yeah, we, we're going to let it shine. Never sing again from the pulpit. You are now live. <laughs> All right, but the idea there is we want to be salt and light, and we get to communicate the love of Jesus Christ. So our vision is to reach people through personal relationships, through community service, and through creative community events to teach Christian life principles in our meetings, to experience real friendships by connecting with one another. That family piece where we just connect. To come together for worship, Bible study, and prayer, and to assist our community through practical service. Hey gang, that's what we're still doing. We still do that. And we do it in a much grander scale now than what we once did. Well. Great, There's, I have three full pages from our first, our first week as a fellowship. More recently, we've expanded on that mission element, that mission, our mission. And what God has put in our hearts some five, six years ago, we really felt that God kind of exploded that in our hearts. So the Promise Center became a name that we were moving toward. And the mission statement graduated to this. Hillside Christian Fellowship Promise Center. Our mission is, and our vision is, mapped out in practical expression, inspiring hope and promise. Through spiritual transformation of people and spiritual transformation in people, we will see biblical, Christ-centered principles taught and expressed in daily living. Through careful and enterprising community outreach, we will be assisting community through service. Assisting community through service. That's an acronym, ACTS. We are ACTS chapter 29. We're assisting our community through service. Restoring dignity, strengthening honor, and reinforcing self-respect. Through state-of-the-art scholastic services, we are going to assist local education institutes and families in literacy, core subject training, mentoring, and leadership development. And by establishing strong family services through classes, conferences, coaching, mentoring, we will see the core of our community, the family unit, strengthened in wellness and wholeness. And part of that is included in the Promise Center, and our desire is to assist men and women 
who are coming out of addictive behavior and a variety of circumstances where they find themselves in a place of brokenness and marginalized in their living. And our desire is not just to give a hand out, and we will give hands out, but our desire is to give a hand up, that we will give folks an opportunity to be restored, folks an opportunity to be built up in their most holy faith, an opportunity for them to come up out of the miry clay, set their feet upon the rock, and make their footsteps firm, helping them even in the area of industry, helping them with job training, and even opportunities to work, that the church would launch ministries. And and so we're very excited about what is before us. So I'd like to take a minute. I've mentioned our purpose, our vision, and that mission, if you will. I've mentioned our core values. I'd like to also just reference a culture. I believe, and we believe, that our church has a culture It's an atmosphere, and this is the atmosphere that we want every one of us to be embodying, if you will. This is how we come together. This is our heartbeat. Are you ready for this? Number one, that we would be onward-oriented, onward-oriented. This idea of movement and multiplication would be the DNA of who we are. We're about, God's on the move. Amen? And we want to be moving right with him. We want to see the kingdom of God expanding. So onward oriented. Number two, we want to be optimistic and expectant. Look, when we come together as the body of Christ, we're not heads hanging low like, well, gosh, I hope God shows up. Listen, we bring God with us. God the Spirit dwells in every believer. And when we come together, we bring God with us. And we should be coming with an expectation that God is going to move on the hearts of every man, woman, and child in this place. And not only move on every one of us, but that we will be taking him out into the marketplace. And we will see him move upon others through us. Praise God. I got a little spitty there. (laughs) Front row. They're going to have to wear like garbage bags or something, (laughs) raincoats. Number three, we are outward aimed, outward aimed. Do you know that a church that has all of their ministry inward aimed is a church that becomes stagnant and non-growing? We want the majority of our ministry to flow outward outward. We want to see people's lives. The scripture says it this way, live with wisdom toward those who are on the outside. Oh, that we would be mindful. It happens every single day in our lives. We come into contact with people who have a variety of things that they're struggling with and they don't have Christ to lean on. We want to introduce them to Jesus, and we do that through relationship. So we engage with folks. We engage with folks at the grocery store. We engage with folks at the gas station. We engage with folks at restaurants. We engage with folks in the area of commerce that God has placed us. Uniquely, every one of us in this room has been placed by God to reach a group of people, and we're mobile. So where we go, that light shining that we would be reaching people for Jesus, outward aimed. We believe in the Great Commission. Can I get an amen? Amen. Go into all the world. The operative word there is go. 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 It's the great commandment, go. Remember in Isaiah chapter 6, God was talking and having a conversation, and Isaiah was enabled to hear the conversation. Whom shall we send and who will go for us? What was Isaiah's response? Here I am, here here am I, send me, send me. God's response to Isaiah was go, go, go and tell this people. Well, that's our assignment. We see it, we see it operating. Look, turn in your Bibles real quick. Just, we've been in Genesis. Just flip back to Genesis chapter 45. Genesis 45. 
Matthew, a couple of weeks ago, took us through Genesis chapter 45, but here's a fascinating picture of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the gospel. I love this. Verse 25 in chapter 45 says this. Then they went up out of Egypt. Now, the they is Jacob's boys. They've been down in Egypt. Joseph has revealed himself to us. Who is Joseph? Joseph is a type of Christ. The boys are coming up out of Egypt. Egypt is a type of the world. These fellas, it's like they've been born again. Joseph or Jesus has been revealed to them. They're coming up out of the world and they're going to tell Jacob. Now notice it's Jacob's name. God uses Jacob's name the one prior to his encounter in Genesis 32 where he wrestles with God all night long and God changes his name. So he's referring to him in that old name. This is his pre-born again kind of name, if you will. And so, and they told him, Jacob, saying, Joseph is still alive. Joseph is alive. Hey, what's the mission of the church right now to go and tell him Jesus is what? Alive, alive. Now look, it says he's alive and he is governor over all the land. He's got, look, Jesus, when he rose from the dead, he's redeeming, he's in the process of redeeming the world. He's in charge. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. He's in the process of redeeming. This belongs to the Lord now. It's presently operated by Satan himself. But Hey, Jesus is alive, and he's governor. Okay, check it out. And Jacob's heart stood still because he did not believe them. What? Wait, whoa. You mean when we tell people, look, Jesus is alive, and he's in charge? World response is, I don't believe you. I don't believe you. Watch, here comes the Great Commission. Go into all the world, baptizing, teaching them. What? All of the things that I have commanded you. That's the great commission. Now look what happens in this portion of scripture. But when they told him all the words which Joseph had said to them, huh? All the words that Jesus had said, that's what we're to communicate. Watch what happens. It says, when they, when they told him all the words which Joseph had said to them, and when he saw the carts which Joseph had sent them to carry, that's like when people see the work of God in you, when people see the work of Jesus in you and I in the marketplace, when they hear all of the teachings of Jesus, watch what happens. It says, the spirit of Jacob their father revived revived. Then it says, then Israel said, whoa, name change. Whoa, transformation. Listen, we get to be salt and light and go change. That's our culture. We want to take Jesus to our families. We want to take Jesus to our associates at work. We want to take Jesus to our neighbors. We want to take Jesus Everywhere we go, can I get a strong amen? amen? Amen. And that's all of us. Do you see that? That's powerful. Praise God. How am I going to get through? I only have one page of notes today, and I'm in my handwritten stuff up in the corner still. <laughs> so onward oriented, we are optimistic and expectant. We are outward aimed. We're out-of-the-box thinking. Out-of-the-box thinking. Listen, God's made every one of us with a dream on the inside. A dream on the inside. God wonderfully formed you and fashioned you in your mother's womb. I, we believe that God put things in you that when you now, as an adult, born again and serving the Lord and doing it, what God has put in you to do, that you... And I, we will be abundantly satisfied when we're doing that. Oh, how many of us wish we knew, oh, what is it, God, that you want me to be doing? Someone has said and very cleverly said it. The two greatest days of a person's life are the day he was born and the day he discovers why he was born. Oh, that we would find that purpose. And we want to be 
discover, oriented, out of the box, what is it that God has put in you? Oh, I love that Jody approached me recently, and Jody, she said, I just believe that God has put it in me to begin these good news clubs in neighborhoods and in apartment complexes. And we're like, do you hear the angels singing? Yes. And we want to put every ounce of energy we can behind that because every neighborhood and every community, yours included, mine included, need a representation of Jesus actively reaching kids for Christ. Can I get a big amen? Amen. That's huge. So out of the box kind of thinking, what is it? You've got a God-given dream. We want to help you discover it. And then we want to help you realize it as well. That's, prop, that's what the Promise Center is about, helping people discover the promise of God and the dream that God has put in them and then going and accomplishing that for the Lord. We want to be obedience-oriented. Obedience-oriented. Hey, at the end of the day, the best measure, the best measure. It's funny, we, when you get together with church, churchy leadership folk, Generally, they say, hey, brother, how you doing? And it's genuine. I'm doing great. Hey, how are you? I'm doing great. Hey, how's your church doing? Oh, man, we're doing great. How many people are coming? As if that's some kind of a barometer. And I suppose it is in one sense. But more importantly than how many people are coming is, is this body of believers obeying the Lord? Is the individual members of the body individually being obedient to the lordship of Jesus Christ? The word of God is our rule of faith and conduct. It is inspired. It is the, it is the words of God, and it is our rule of faith and conduct. Are we being obedient to his lordship in our lives? That matters to us. Can I get an amen? amen. Listen, when I stand before the Lord, He's going to ask those questions of me. Oh, that we would be growing and that we would be obeying the Lord in these areas of our life. So obedience. Are we doing what God has called us to do? And then I have two last culture thoughts. And uh, I think we're opportunistic depth-wise. Opportunistic depth-wise. What I mean by this Every one of us should be growing. And our motto is loving God, loving people, serving others. Loving God, loving people, serving others. It really is our discipleship model. We want people falling in love with God, knowing him and falling in love with him and becoming students of God's word. We want people falling in love with one another. Look at your neighbor and say, hey man, I'm working on the love thing. <laughs> We're working the love thing out. As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. And we're navigating that. And we do that through relationship. That's that loving God, loving people. Then the serving others where we have opportunities to serve one another. And we're opportunistic in that. We want everyone to be thinking this way. Are you ready? See a need, fill the need. See a need, fill the need. If God enables you to see the need, he's probably equipping you to fulfill the need. You don't have to go get permission. Well, Pastor Dave, I saw this need, and I was thinking that maybe you should go do that. <laughs> I'm like, uh-uh, man, and I'll hold up a mirror. <laughs> I think it's you. Can I get an Amen. <laughs> You see a need, God has uniquely placed you there to go make a difference in those folks' lives. It may be somebody right here in the fellowship. Now, it's awesome to get another brother to come along with you. You can call someone on the phone and say, hey, I'm going to go help with this need. Would you come with me and invite someone in on that? That's epic. We do things together. So opportunistic. By the way, we think that doing is not a bad thing. Doing. Being. Being Jesus, if you will. Now, don't take that wrong, and folks watching on the internet, don't take that wrong. We are his hands and feet. We are his hands and feet. We get to be little Christs. They were first called Christians in Antioch because they resembled Jesus. 
we should be resembling Jesus, right? 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. We should be transforming, changing from glory to glory into the image of the only begotten, Jesus himself. And we should be letting our light shine. That is being Jesus where we go. Hands and feet. Jesus, when he saw needs, he stopped and he met needs. Son of David, have mercy on me. The disciples are like, Shh, hey, stop. Stop. Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stops. What is it that you would have me do? I cannot see. And Jesus prays. And the blind man sees. He meets needs. He has time. How cool is that? As a fellowship, if we allow the Spirit of God to interrupt our agendas, right? Anybody here have an agenda this coming week? Anybody here got a calendar and you've just got a whole litany of things that you've got going every day? Do you have room to let God interrupt you? The Holy Spirit to prompt you to stop, to take time, to pray with someone? Whose salvation is on the other side of your willingness to obey? Whose? Let's be faithful in that. Opportunistic. And then finally, and this last one's my favorite, just in the kind of the culture that we are. And I really believe that these are the things that really resemble who we are. It's a pump-me-up moment kind of thing. You should actually be, now you can move forward on your seats a little bit and lean in a little bit because this last one's epic. Are you ready for this? <laughs> it's a Greek word. No one moved forward in their seats. <laughs> that was your opportunity. This last word is a Greek word. The word is oikos. And I'm not talking about yogurt that's fat-free and uh, zero uh, carbs. Oikos. It's a Greek word that really means family. In fact, it actually means an inhabited household. Have you ever had someone knock at your front door and you weren't ready for them? There's dishes in the sink and there's laundry that hasn't been folded yet out on the chair and you're like, ah! You know what's so epic? When that, when people can come in and they're comfortable and they go, hey man, we live too. We live too. And it's okay. That's inhabited. That's family. And we get it. How cool would it be if they helped us with laundry and started folding? So long as they're not the delicates, right? Okay, anyway. <laughs> That's the culture. That's our culture, family. Now, I want to give an update. And I don't know, I don't know what time it is because I can't see the clock from here. Someone turned on the lights in the back and I got to glare. But I have someone in the background going like this. <laughs> And I asked them to do that because I know I, I want to talk about all of these things. So let's, let's have a building update. A building update. Yes. Good news. We're moving forward. Now, we've been moving forward for what seems to be three and a half, four years. Can someone say, wow. <laughs> I want to remind us first, a little theology piece. The prophet Isaiah says, wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. We have examples in Scripture where people didn't wait on the Lord. Abraham and Sarah were given a promise of a son. They didn't wait on the Lord. Thirteen years went by and they're like, well, maybe we're supposed to help God out. 13 years, that's a long time. And so they got their hands in it. Hagar and Ishmael. It's created a problem that's lasted some 3,000 plus years, 3,500 years. We don't need a problem that's going to last for a long time, do we? We'll wait for the Lord. You say, well, you might be proof texting that a little bit, Dave. Here's the deal. Let me also mention this. The 12 tribes of Israel were told in Genesis chapter 49, you can read it in verse 10. Judah, it was prophesied of Judah that there are kings in his loins. God was foretelling that the nation of Israel was going to be moving from a theocracy to a monarchy. 
kings in your loins. Prophetic, you'll be moving from a theocracy to a monarchy. It's interesting, at that point, Judah was not even acknowledged in the assembly of his brothers and the nation. The reason he wasn't even acknowledged as a tribe at that point was because of his disobedience in chapter 38, where he lived wantonly and produced a bastard child in what he thought was a harlot, only to discover that it was his daughter-in-law whose husbands had died. He had promised his youngest son, who had come of age, but had held him back. Deuteronomy in the law says, unto the 10th generation. So Judah, who has kings in his loins, won't even be recognized until 10 generations later. But Israel was impatient, and they said, give us a king now, like all the other nations. And Samuel the prophet was distraught. And God said, Samuel, they're not rejecting you, they're rejecting me. So a king they ask, a king they'll get. And you and I know the story. Saul. Saul was given of the tribe of Benjamin. And Saul was really man's king. It wasn't until the sons of Jesse were born and the seventh of the sons of Jesse, David, was born that Samuel came under the instruction of God to go and anoint one of the sons of Jesse. David is the 10th generation of Judah. Jesse was the ninth generation. David's born, and God says, there's my king, a man after my own heart. And God says, now. You see, Israel called for a king, and they asked for a king early forcing God's hand. We saw and we see the trouble that goes with forcing God's hand. Are you with me? If you're here this morning and you've been forcing God's hand, I want to encourage you, back off, wait on the Lord. They that wait upon the Lord shall what? Renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. You'll soar. You will run and not be weary. You will walk and not faint. Oh, God, teach us to wait. Well, we've waited, and it's been good. It's been good for both sides. Both JD, who's here with us this morning, everyone say hi to JD. JD, wave your hand back here. He's back here. JD and I, nearly three and a half years ago, believed God was moving, and we shook hands on in agreement. And it's been a handshake ever since, and it's been faithful. And my brother's been faithful, and we have believed because there's faith. We're family of God, and we believe that agreements can be in a handshake. And what is said, our word is our bond. And that's a beautiful thing. I do want you to know we have a contract. We have a signed, we have a signed document. It's an earnest document. It's signed. And everything that we agreed to some four years ago, three and a half years ago, is right on that piece of paper. Praise be to God. Praise be to God. We're moving forward. Now, J.D. has, if I can say these few things, he's purchased land in Georgia, a house. He's built an outbuilding. It's a, it's, a, it's a large building. And he has taken three, as of tomorrow morning, he will have taken three truckloads over there. He is emptying out his house, sold, and they will be taking full possession of it come Monday. He is, he is making his way. And here's our thing. We're not pushing, kicking, and screaming, saying, get out. <laughs> We're saying, yes, let us be a blessing with you and to you. Even up to and including maybe having a couple of guys come over on Monday night and help him get those last few, or Monday afternoon, get those last few things loaded so that we can get his truck packed. He's coming over to our machinery building. We're going to load a few more items on there, load up that truck, start sending. And we're seeing that thing become empty. He's got in his heart and his mind, there's a day that he thinks he's going to be out and we're going to be in. We'll take possession. We think it's soon. He's smiling. 
and we're okay with that. We're okay. Everybody get that? That was puny. Everybody get that? That's good stuff. Here's the beauty. While we wait, God is still on the move. Can I get an amen? We're still thankful for everybody who comes here and sets up on Saturday and has the place ready for us to worship the Lord and then tears down immediately afterwards. We are thankful for that crew that comes in and does that every week. Our children's department, our nursery department, it's epic kinds of stuff. Thank you, guys. We have plans for renovation. Our permits and everything with the county are lock, stock, and barrel. We're ready to roll. As soon as everything is out, we take possession. Could be the next 30, 60 days kind of stuff, we're ready to begin demolition. And once we begin demolition, we kick in with renovation. It would be marvelous if we were in our new facility by summer of 2018. That would be excellent. Can I get an amen? Amen. See ya. Come on. Amen. Now, let me preface it with this. Our plan is to pay cash for everything we do. Pay cash. Now, we have a contract with the owner for five years, and so we'll make our monthly payments, but we're also going to be accumulating, and we hope to, at the end of five years, pay the balance owed completely off. So we want to own it free and clear with all of its upgrades and all of the things that we're doing. So that's our plan. So we're not there yet. I'm going to talk about that in a minute. Let me mention... While all of that stuff is moving, we have other things currently happening, some of the things outside of the Promise Center or that will be functioning out of the Promise Center. They're ready to go today. Hallelujah. One of those areas in that creative community piece, we believe the Promise Center is going to have a trades kind of school and a opportunity with businesses within those trades for people who are coming out of marginalized living and helping them with the step up, if you will. And so we have, let's see what's up there, our our ministry businesses and trades. Three Trees Landscaping, we launch next month. Mike Clouser and John Morris, will you two stand? These two right here. We're going to pray for these guys in just a moment. These guys are the ones who are taking this and launching it from ground zero. And we're believing God. It's our first ministry business. It's a 501c3 doing landscaping, design, and maintenance. And they're going to be soliciting work, bidding on work, doing quality work in the name of Jesus. And the goal is that we will, in due season, be giving men and women opportunity to be discipled and mentored while they're learning a business and trade where they can have ongoing income as well as the potentiality of training and equipping to launch their own business. Yeah, pretty exciting. I want to pray for these guys. So will you just extend a hand real quick and let's pray. Father, thank you for these men who sense the call of God in their lives to be released in this ministry. And so, Father, will you continue to guide us and lead us and provide and supply for us. Thank you, Lord, for all of the tools that have come in already from vehicles, uh, equipment, mowers and edgers and weeders, all industrial kinds of stuff. It's already there, ready to go. Thank you for those that are involved even helping us to obtain and acquire trailers and some of the business opportunities that have already arisen as we've communicated. We already have folks who want us to bid today on a project. And so, God, will you help us and equip and help us to see lives transformed by the grace of God. In Jesus' name, and everyone said a strong amen. Amen. There's more. Thank you, guys. You can be seated. There's more coming up. Thank you. That's three trees. There's our cool little logo that we have for it. Uh, The logo actually has some symbolism, uh, but we won't go into that. We have some other things coming up. We got Steelwood uh, Resurrection. We don't know what the name is going to be called, but we're built. We have some furniture, some industrial furniture stuff that we're doing and we're working toward. It's very exciting. We're thinking about uh, probably the first quarter of 2018 that will be launched. We're looking at uh, Hillside ECDC. Anybody know what ECDC is? Early Childhood Development Center. 
One of the things that Mike is doing as he's coming in, he's laying the groundwork for our early childhood development center that we want to launch in September of 2018 where we're going to have little children and their families bringing those kids into the finest care in our community. And we're going to be collaborating with other organizations doing that. So it's pretty exciting stuff. Okay. Um, you probably have some questions about that, but we're not going to do that this morning. <laughs> I want to mention in the area of finance, every one of us here ought to be kingdom builders. Look at your neighbor and say, are you a kingdom builder? You can ask that question. It's okay. Are you a kingdom builder? Kingdom builders, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, Matthew 6.33 says, and all these things will be added unto you. We are all to be about the kingdom of God. Can I get an amen? amen? Part of that is not only with our time, not only with our talents, but definitively with our treasure, with our treasure. I love Hillside because you guys, there's a spirit of generosity here, and it's marvelous. We believe definitively and minimally of three biblical ways to be engaged, bringing the whole tithe into the storehouse. I just want to encourage you, be a tither. Be a tither. Bring the first 10% of all your increase and bring it into the storehouse. You say, well, tithing is the law, Dave, and we're in the New Testament. I say, well, hey, that's true. In fact, tithing was before the law. Right? Remember Abraham brought a tenth of everything to Melchizedek, right? The king and priest. The law came later, and the tithing was in the law. Then Jesus came. This is beautiful. So if you're like, hey, I'm a New Testament guy, I'm like, hey, praise the Lord. <laughs> because Jesus took the law and he put it into proper perspective. You have heard that it was said, thou shalt not murder. I tell you, if you have hatred in your heart, you've already committed murder. He made it more encompassing. He said, you have heard that it was said, thou shalt not commit adultery, but I tell you that if you look upon a woman with lust in your eyes, you've already committed adultery with her. He made it more comprehensive. So you say, hey, tithing. I'm not a tither, I'm a New Testament. I say, hey, praise the Lord. Because in the New Testament, a guy came and said, what must I do? And he said, well, what does the commandment say? And the guy said, all these, all these, and all these. And he says, hey, those things I'm already doing. Jesus says, good, one thing you lack. Sell everything and give it all. And then come and follow. It's 100% in the New Testament. Can I get an amen? Here's the reality. You don't own anything. I don't own anything. It all belongs to the Lord. We're just stewards. And we're challenged to be generous just like our God is. And he's super abundant in generous generosity, isn't he? Super abundant. In fact, in your life and in my life where sin abounds, what? Grace that much more abounds. Can I get an amen? Generosity. So here's the scenario. We have, uh, we have over a quarter of a million dollars in the bank. Can I get an Amen. That's awesome. It's probably closer to 275, 275,000. We have spent on the project approximately 100,000 already from architects to four different types of engineers to all of the county fees to we've actually purchased some equipment for when we move in. We already have our sound system. Can I get an amen? And we're working out the bugs here so that when we get there, there'll be no more bugs. We've purchased even our audio-visual side of things, the visual equipment that are going to help us do more of what we're doing, and that's exciting. We're in the process right now of purchasing chairs, more comfortable chairs so you don't have those little knobs hitting the backs of your leg, but we, anybody here thankful for these marvelous chairs that we have had? Come on. And the cool thing is we're going to get to help a couple other churches by letting these chairs go to those churches. These chairs have been a blessing. How many of us remember the metal chairs? Can I get an ouch? <laughs> Thanks be to God. Okay. We're encouraging everyone to be a kingdom builder. A kingdom builder. We have a, we have a goal, as I mentioned, to pay cash for everything. <laughs> 
We have some money. Some of that money is uh, general fund money. Some of that money is building money. Whatever the building is lacking, it's going to come out of the general fund because we're going to pay cash, right? Amen? But we still have some money that we need to raise. We're going to raise that money in two ways. Number one, we're going to have a, I'll use the phrase capital campaign, but we're going to just, we're going to call on our kingdom builders. And we're going to say as kingdom builders, guys, in 2017, the fourth quarter, we'd like to raise $50,000 more. So we're inviting every hillside kingdom builder come next Sunday with what you believe the Spirit of God is prompting you to do above and beyond your tithes and be prepared to, in the fourth quarter, bring that in. We believe that God, the resources in the house, that that will come in. Does that make sense? That's a small number, gang. That's a small number. Yeah, I mentioned three, three ways of giving. Tithing, we believe in uh, offerings, which is the missions, and then we believe in alms, which helps us help others in the fellowship. This is above and beyond the tithe. This is above and beyond the offering. This is above and beyond your alms. We're saying this is what we would call sacrificial giving. Sacrificial giving. It's an opportunity to go above and beyond and do something because there's a specific project need. We're raising 50000 because we believe the entire renovation is going to be somewhere right around $400,000. Now, we're sitting on what we believe designated to or that we can designate to the building and its renovation presently is about $180,000. That $180,000, a lot of that's, there's some of that's coming out of general fund, but all that to say that $180,000, we believe that if we supplement it with the $50,000 yet this year, that'll put us in a place of about two thirty. We are also taking the ministry house that the church is presently purchasing on 132nd, right down the street from us, and we believe that God is prompting us to put that on the market. We believe, in fact, I got a market analysis. Uh, Sam, can you just, underneath my backpack right there, yeah, just, there's the market analysis that just came in. Just hold it up in the air like this. Boop, boop, just came in. We believe that the house has a value of somewhere in the neighborhood of four hundred and thirty dollars to $450,000. That's pretty exciting. We owe about three ten, dollars which is great. That means there's equity in the house for such a time as this that if the Lord allows it to sell, that could be applied to our project. So we're making an assumption, but we assume that if there's 80 to 100,000 that comes in there, we will be at about 330,000, okay, 330. Then we're looking at the first quarter, the first half of 2018, raising some other $70,000, if you will, 70, 75,000. And that will make up the 400000 and we would be able to finish the project and move in. So, very excited. Pray. Can I get an amen? amen? Pray. What's my part? What's my part? I believe it could be 10 people who say, God's told us $5,000, and that money this last quarter, done. It, God can do it anyway. Listen, how cool would it be? What if we raise 75 in this quarter? That's 25 in the first quarter or first half of next year. It's already raised. God can do it. We've already raised the last two capital campaigns, $190,000. Again, some of that we've spent. But this small congregation, we're already, the faith is there. So this is pretty exciting stuff. Okay. You're saying it's warm. Do you still have a lot to talk about? Is this exciting? You're all leaning back in your seats now. <laughs> like, is it afterglow? Yeah, come on, let's go get some pizza. Okay. Two final things. Slide number six, I think. Uh, so I think I hit all those things, our hope, those numbers. Uh, Hillside Mission Ministry, our ministries, excellent things are happening. We have broadened our base of leadership with inside of our departmental ministries, with inside a number of things happening. And as a result of that, we are expecting and anticipating not only growth, but we are believing for the growth when we move into the facility that all of the foundation for that growth will be already established so that we are ready to move forward and see people's lives integrated and their lives transformed in Jesus. So that's exciting. Uh, I just t- I'll tell you one. Uh, Pastor Matthew is no longer over our youth ministry. 
as of September 1, Dan Sherrill. Dan, will you just stand up real quick? Dan and Kenzie, will you guys stand up? Come on. Dan has been an intern for a couple of years, and uh, he has done almost all of his coursework for what we would call ordination, and uh, he's moving forward. He is our youth, children's youth director presently. Uh, this past Tuesday morning at Clackamas High School, he initiated for the 15th year a ministry that was launched, certainly in the, it was really before our church, but we, we, we helped launch the Fellowship of Christian Athletes huddle at Clackamas High School. This past week, year 15, Dan and Kenzie launched it. Now, here's the cool thing. <clears throat> well, here's the cool thing. I brought the donuts. <laughs> so, I was pretty cool. Yeah, anyway... Kids kept coming, kept coming, and kept coming. The room was full, which probably had 35 to 40 seats, and there were students on the back counter. Dan said, look, at our church, we're, we're in a building phase of our youth group. How many of you don't currently attend a youth group or a church? A bunch of hands went up. He said, if you're interested and you want to be a part of something that's going to be just marvelous, let me know. And a whole bunch of those kids put their names down and contact information. They call him Coach Dan. Dan also coaches at the high school. Josh Miller, one of our other interns, he also coaches football at the high school. And these kids, they're infiltrating. And we're seeking to touch and change lives. So that's exciting. And we have many others. Uh, Time doesn't afford for me to do that. So let me just say this. Our collaborations, church planting works. I just want to mention that our fellowship, here's the vision and mission that our church also has in relationship to the kingdom of God. We do believe that there's room for a church on every corner. We believe that. We need it. Our communities need it. Bible teaching, faith believing churches that are seeing people's lives transformed. Do you know... We actually believe that a church, a, let me say it this way, we believe that a church of 2,000 versus 10 churches of 200, we think 10 churches of 200 are more effective. They're just more effective. The single strongest unit of evangelism in any community is a new church because the people are desperate. They're desperate for God. And they're desperate for God to do something, save people, grow the church. We know that there is some church movement where people go from one church to another, and that happens. And we want to bless people as they go, and we want to bless people as they come. But our passion is to see people born again. Can I get an amen? And to grow in grace and the knowledge of Jesus. And we're going to do that by helping church plants across. We're a non-denominational church. We're part of a cooperative fellowship. And our mission is to help the church. That was your opportunity. Our mission is to help the church. So cool. Last month in our church, uh, church council meeting, we referenced a church right over here off of Causey Way in an apartment complex. It's called the House Church. Pastor Aaron Hackett and his wife Stella planted the church eight months ago. You know, I found out from Aaron... He works seven days a week, 52 weeks a year, and he's planting a church, and they're just making it. And so we said, well, what would it take so you could have one day, just one day a month, what would it look like? And he gave us a number. And without reservation, the eldership of the church says, we got him covered. Let's give him a day off every month. And so just immediately with absolute exercise of faith, and we've been walking with Aaron, we've been, we've been just kind of, hey, how can we be a blessing? How can we love you? And all those things. But where the rubber met the road, we said, no, that's not right. We want to be a blessing and we want to be a part. And this church graciously is saying, yes and amen. And so we're praying for Aaron, we're praying for Stella, and we're believing God for the work that they're doing. And here's the cool thing, Jody, this is so exciting. Where their apartment complex is... Not only do we believe that there's going to be a good news club, 
But our church is collaborating with four other churches right here on the west side of the freeway to launch what is known as a design studio, and it is to mentor young women of the realities of the sex trafficking that is targeting at-risk young women in our community. And we think it's going to be right there where his church is meeting so that they can be a part. And we can see young girls rescued and saved from the ails. And listen, if you don't know what's going on, you should be educated. Clackamas Town Center is the number one hub out of this community where they're capturing young women. We got to be a part. Um, I should mention... Uh, let's see, design studio. Uh, back up one, one slide. I'll, I'll come to this one, and we're going to be done here in just a minute. We're going to go eat some food together. It'll be great. Can you back up one slide? Uh, just on this collaboration, uh, our fellowship is connecting with pregnancy resource centers. Jeanette Mossman, the commitment is there. We're praying, and we're believing God, and we're we're, believe, we're, we're expanding to the point where we want to contribute financially, and we say, yes, we believe in this work because they are saving not only lives, but they're saving people. Amen. Young women, sometimes even the men, and they're loving on them, and they're being the hands and feet of Jesus. That's right here. It's right here in our community. We get, we get to help save not only children, but young girls and point them toward Jesus. It's very, very exciting. Uh, okay, let me, let me mention a couple other things here, just global works. Uh, First of all, our fellowship, our, our, our list of ministries that we are a part of globally and locally, it, it's, it's long and it's good. And I know some of you are connected with some of the missionaries and some of these field workers. Others don't necessarily know who is, who's involved. You can always stop by our table out in the foyer that has a missions it's a whole prayer list, and there's, uh, you could pray for one of our missionaries every single day of the month. And if we all did that, we'd have a lot of prayers going up for those who are doing that work. They are our extension on foreign field. We met a guy just recently, uh, Daniel Johnson, who's uh, moving to Madrid. He's been doing missions for some 20-plus years, and uh, he's seeing lives changed out of Islam, people being saved, men specifically. And they're being ostracized, and they have no ability to raise an income for their families. And they're desperate. And so we said, well, what if rather than trying to find them work, what if we just gave them work? What if we started the business internationally and gave them the work, mentored them, raised them up, discipled them, and then we began to sell whatever that product was on a global scale? <laughs> I mean, the whole restaurant knew who he was because he got so excited about the idea. And so just this last week, I was on a phone conversation with a, a guy up in Washington, and he's, this is what they've been doing for 20 years. He said, we heard what you were thinking, and we'd like to meet with you, and let's see if we couldn't partner together to make that happen in Madrid. We said, uh, okay, let's see what God might do. How fun would that be? Anybody want to go to Madrid? We have a short-term mission trip coming up next year. You'll hear about it in September. No, wait, it is September. You'll hear about it in October or November. Uh, we're partnering with Delta Ministries over in Vancouver, and we're taking a team to Italy. And we're going to do a, children, a youth and young adult outreach there in Italy. Adam and Stella Neal are leading the trip uh, from right out of our church. They'd be here this morning, but they're celebrating their anniversary in San Diego. They're watching us right now. Hi, Adam and Stella. It's very exciting. Very exciting. Okay, lastly, the collaborative works, and then we'll be done. I mentioned the design studio. We just came off of last Sunday and our fourth annual all-one community-wide worship service. There was literally few seats left in the auditorium over at Alder Creek. It was a packed house. We estimate there were about 80 to 80 kids, no, 50 kids, 60 kids, somewhere right in that number. Evangelistically speaking, there was about 1,000. Uh, about 50 kids. And workers, we had a great group working with the kids. Uh, Scott Bray did his magic, uh, his illusion stuff and gospel presentation. It was, it was great. And between the kids and the workers and what was here, we estimate 
between 600 and 650 people. And there were roughly 10 churches represented. It would be great if all the churches came out in all the numbers. We may be doing it at Clackamas High School next year, and we may be doing it a little bit different. But all that to say, it was a marvelous time, and it was a powerful message and an encouraging message about collaborating together. The beauty is the prayer meeting that I began to attend that had been attended, the prayer meetings have been going on for some 25 years with the pastors. But the group was about four guys. I remember when I first started going, I made five, and then there was another guy who restarted coming, and that made six. So there were like six of us. And for three years, it's been six of us. And God's done great things. And God's doing great things. And pastors pray. But today, there are over 20 guys. And these are pastors right here in our community. The beauty is our fellowship is hosting it for these next three months. And 18 to 20 guys believing for the church and looking for ways to do kingdom stuff together. We're better together. Jesus prayed that they would be one, even as he and the Father are one. And we're seeing some oneness stuff kind of happen. And it's very, very exciting. Okay, I've kept you way too long. I got an amen on that. Uh, so, Men of Valor, Good News Clubs, Uncommon Courage, just some other stuff coming up. You'll hear more about that in the days to come. Announcements. What announcements? There's, oh, the video announcements never got played. You sort of need to know what's going on. I'm going to pray with us. and. Uh,